Alright guys, welcome back to All Bark No Dice, the Fundamentals Tabletop Talk Show. This week my guest is Ollie Jeffrey from Sinister Beard Games. You might know his work with Night Rain or Quietus uh, and other and having a very fun very fun Twitter account to follow. <laughs> Thank um, you. <laughs> uh, it's inter- it's actually kind of serendipitous that you're on this week because my previous guest uh, Kira McGron worked on Quietus. We talked ah, a little bit about did, that. Yeah. Uh, they talked did, a little sorry. bit about that in our interview. So <laughs> this worked out. Awesome. So yeah, thanks for coming on the show, Ollie. Uh, yeah, thank you for having me. Thank you very much. Yeah, delighted to be here. So like, like I said, you've got those those two games out, and they've been you know uh-huh. you kickstarted both of them. Yep. Um, did pretty well. But your current release, current thing on Kickstarter is a game called Extreme Meat Punks Forever, the yes. role-playing game. Yes. Yeah, yeah, which is uh, it's my favorite title of all time, and I can say that because I didn't come up with it, so it's fine. It's <laughs> not... Um, yeah, normally my sort of British sensibilities wouldn't allow me to actually, like, praise myself, but it's, it's fine because it's someone else's game. It's, I'm just publishing it. Yeah, because it's not... Because um, it's, 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 a, a, it's a, not an original property for It's based off the game. Yeah, the yeah, it's, it's video a, game. A, a yeah. So it's a, a lic- it's our first license game, okay. um, and it's it's based on the Extreme Meat Punks Forever um, video game series, which are a series of combination um, visual novels and mech brawlers by Heather Flowers, uh, set in a weird place called um, Meat World, uh, which itself is like the the body of a dead god that is kind of hurtling through space uh and instead of metal um on meat world they have they have meat so everything is made out of meat and bones uh and including things like uh gigantic mechs which are used for um well used for everything really so like used for farming and stuff like that but also from our point of view from the game's point of view importantly they also use for beating up nazis which is uh handy because meat world has uh, a nazi problem um because you just can't escape them, can you? Like you, even if you you're on a whole different no. world. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. One of one of the questions we got uh, when we we're doing it is why why are there so many Nazis here? I was like, I don't know why are there are so many fucking Nazis in our world. It's like, <laughs> like they won't go away. Honestly, with that pitch, we could just end an interview there. I think that 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 should sell the game to anybody, really. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I hope so. That, it certainly sold it to me um, when it was the uh, when it was just a video game because um, I found it in the. Um, when there was the bundle for racial justice on itch um almost exactly a year ago now actually um which had you know thousands of games in it and everyone bought and was wonderful um and that was that was one of the first ones that caught my eye uh, a because of that that title of extreme punks forever which just rolls off the tongue beautifully um it's very very eye eye-catching and also the um the tagline which was four gay disasters on the worst road trip ever beating up nazis in robots made of meat and it's like yes i obviously i I need to play this um so as soon as i finished playing the video game i got in contact with heather uh who uh, wrote and directed it and uh and asked them if they'd be interested in doing a licensed game and and they were so yes we've gone from there yeah, so you've been you working on this project for a little while then. Um... Yeah, almost exactly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, since um, since the first sort of like initial conversations. Um, yeah, it's yeah, it's been a long time coming. It's been worth it. 
it has been uh, like we put a lot of effort into um, into getting the the quick start done and producing kind of like a, a beautiful quick start version, um, which you can still get on drive through and also it's linked to on the on the Kickstarter page, um, which we wanted to try and sort of drum up uh, some not drum up enthusiasm because it's already got quite a, a dedicated fan base, but just to kind of spread that outside of the the Meat Punks fan base and into kind of the tabletop fan base, of which there is a you know a significant crossover. Um, yeah, so yeah, so we're working very hard on that, and then we're working really hard on the on the Kickstarter campaign, and it's and it's launched and it's funded, which is which is lovely because there's you know even though I was very confident at fund, there's always there's always the risk, and there's always a self doubt that creeps in, especially when uh, you press the button, and for the first uh, the first minute or so, nobody nobody backs it. Like oh my god, and you're like it's 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 literally been a minute, Ollie. Just leave leave it be. If people people will come. If if you if you if you kickstart it, they will come. <laughs> you've funded. I think you. I think you've said you've funded more with this so far than than your previous previous releases. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's doing pretty well uh, so far. The the goal was uh, fifteen thousand pounds, which is twenty one ish thousand dollars, um, which said that was risky. Um, but uh, one of the things that I wanted to do is I I love indie games um, from a design perspective, uh, but from a production perspective, I love trad games because they've got budget and uh, and that's basically it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so a lot of my favorite indie games. Uh, were and and this is this is changing actually um, and I'd like to think that I have something to do with that but like when I first came into the the indie scene in like the the G plus era there were all these fabulous games that just look ugly as hell um, mm-hmm. and I, I think it's a real shame because um, I think they would spread even further and so one of my um, driving forces has been to make like indie games but with like a trad experience in terms of like production quality and stuff like that and there's uh, there's been some other people uh, that have been doing similarly so like Jesse Voss for example um, on Trophy has been kind of like hitting at the at the same drum and Trophy looks looks really beautiful um, but yeah but so that's why the budget is so high Um so it's it's the art budget. Um, I mean, primarily the art budget, but also the writing budget and stuff like that. Editing. We want to make sure that it's as professional a a book as people deserve. Um, you, you know, you have, you and I have talked before about some of the, some of the the process behind, you know, what goes into a an RPG. Whether I mean, uh, especially a kickstarted one, and what you know, what people come for, what people are willing to shell out for. The writing can be top notch, and it, it you know. Like you said, it often is, but I think it's something about Kickstarter and like the the need to be eye catching that, that that artistic budget, that look, that feel, is what really gets games to fund. Yeah, absolutely. And really yeah. gets them popular because you don't know, do you? Except in in like the rare cases, like um, like Thirsty Sword Lesbians had the full text there, um, but that's that's quite rare. Um, so mostly you won't actually see what you're getting until it turns up, and you know the mostly the games that you get are good, but I've backed stuff and it's turned up and I'd be like, that's a bit light. Um, so, you, so you never know. So you're right. You do have to, uh, ours is not going to be one of those, by the way. Ours is going to be awesome. Don't worry. Yeah. No, um, you've got, you've <laughs> laid out exactly what it's going to be and it's going to be pretty big, pretty good. Yeah. Um, so, um, where was I going with that? Before just dropping some random, random shade. Um, <laughs> 
Oh, but just the quality uh, and the feel yeah. of a game, you I, know, I, I, going I to the importance. People will never know who I'm talking about. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, so you you have to have that, and you have to have that that art, as you're saying, and um, to just to to sell it to people because that's you're selling the idea essentially at that point. Um, and some people have kind of like taken offense at that. And like Mork Borg was called Kickstarter bait. And it's like, well, what, what do you want them to do? Not show that the book is going to look really nice. It's like, the, yeah, the Mork Borg is great. Um, but the art is what sold it. And like, well, yeah. I mean, that's, that's how advertising works, basically. Yeah. I mean, Mork Borg is, I think, been insanely successful because it's unapologetic in what it is. Um, especially because it's it's almost like an extreme other side of things, which I think is really fun because I, I remember I got the original book. I got it um, to check out for, to review for the site. Um, and unfortunately I haven't changed to play it yet because the pandemic made everything difficult. Um, <laughs> but it's a lot more impenetrable because the, the art is so forward on that game. That's a bit of as an outlier, but you know, some games, uh, I think some games are doing that. I think it's it's meant to be uh, an inspiration text and uh, like an art object first and foremost. I think because the actual game element of it doesn't matter as much as like the aesthetics of it and the uh, and like the setting stuff. The setting's really cool and the aesthetics are really cool and it will really inspire you. The actual game itself is kind of like a an almost a, like a, a second thought to that, so that you have something that you can immediately play with. But you could easily play more Borg in whatever system you actually using and just kind of use it as inspiration and it is greatly inspirational and it's something fun that i think you know no matter the the quality of the art or whatever the i love and this is why i love talking to with any designers so much because the games are coming out and they're playing with what uh, a tabletop rpg can be and what it can do mm-hmm. yeah um you know, even even yours, which aren't quite as you know, they, they don't get quite as experimental as some of the things that I've seen on itch. Um, they're still like saying more and doing more than you might get from, you know, you know, certain bigger companies that are uh, yeah. producing RPGs. I, I think if you're if you're working in the indie space and yeah, you, you're right. I purposefully um, do something which is like almost trad. Um, but just designed intentionally, basically. So there was, I am very old now. Uh, so I've, I've been in the hobby for, for many a year. And back when, back in like the eighties and stuff, there was just kind of an assumption of how a role playing game worked and there was no real thought put into it. Um, and like people had their own, um, People had their own systems and stuff, but they all basically did the same thing, regardless of what dice you were rolling or whether you were rolling percentile or stuff like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I was talking about this with um, with Thirsty Sword Lesbians when I was talking about it on uh, with the Gauntlet the other day. Um, and that is in, in the sense of being, you know, having a GM, telling stories, etc., having sort of uh, asymmetrical mechanics, it's quite a trad role-playing game, but not in the sense of trad like D&D, just in the sense of like it's it's based on some like very solid foundational principles. Uh, and that's kind of what I want to do as well. I'm uh, like, I love all the, the, the lyric games and stuff like that um, to 
to read and to see and to see them out there. Um, it's not what I play personally, and it's not what I want to make. I, I want to make stuff that makes me feel like reading the Eberron book for the first time did. Um, yeah, and like reading Kerberos Club for the first time and stuff like that. Um, because I'm quite like a traditional nerd in, in that sense. Um, but yeah, I love I love that people are doing more experimental stuff uh, with it as well. So, And even in like much more gamey areas so like um alice is missing for example um and and even like zombie world so they they both kind of play with what a role-playing game can be um but in a way that is still very much definitely a game um and i think there's there's definitely space for like the really experimental edgy stuff uh, and then that that kind of experimental but definitely a game stuff and then the kind of like the 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 like well the, the kind of stuff that I do basically which is like the the indie, indie games but with um with like a more sort of like traditional basis um which I think is similar to what um like Grant Howard's big games are doing as well like they're 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 there to be like quite a traditional game, but in a way designed in a way that is interesting and takes in all of the stuff that the more expen- experimental people do. And that's, that's kind of the, the way in all art, isn't it? Really? You start off with, um, with something being right on the edge and then it just filters further and further to the center and it, in the end it benefits everyone. Um, and you end up with a Taylor Swift album that sounds like a church's album. And I'm here <laughs> for that. Yeah. Well, I think there's, like you said, there's kind of a, you know, tying into that, there's kind of a funnel effect when it comes to the way indie RPGs are kind of right now. And I think I think some people on the more experimental side, more on the more DIY side, you know, I think have a bit of a hostility to it because of the way everything is. But, you know, people aren't going to go from getting into Dungeons & Dragons because they're a fan of Critical Role or because they're a fan of... Uh, some other, you know, big, big thing, and then they play D&D, you know, they're not going to immediately jump to, you know, one-page, GM-less, one-die, itch.io stuff. Yeah. Yeah, know? yeah. But they might jump to a game like Extreme Meat Punks Forever because of the aesthetics, because of the theme, and because they still have a sense of, okay, this feels like what I'm used to seeing, and then they mm-hmm. can kind of get deeper and deeper and deeper until... You know they're playing something totally off the wall. <laughs> yeah, exactly, and that's that's how it works with um, with pop music as well. You know, you start off listening to what's on the radio, and then before you know where you are, you're sort of knee deep in Japanese shoegaze, and that's good. And it's good that all of that's out there, and people can yeah can kind of stop at their comfort level. And also, then you get people who are sort of like known for their kind of more lyrical stuff, uh, who then go on and do something more more gamey so like uh, jay dragon who started out in kind of quite lyrical stuff um and has ended up having huge success with um with sleep away and wonder home there's not as much hostility towards trad- tra- traditional gamey stuff as again you might think no one should ever take twitter seriously <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, it's, it's really hard not to sometimes though i know it feels weird <laughs> but it's not you're right B- because that's where that hostility between different quote-unquote sides of the RPG in- industry as it is, um, which is kind of difficult to say because it's, it's not like other industries where there's 
even compared to, you know, I work in board games too, and board games there's a bit more diversity at the top when it comes to who makes what. Um, with, with, with tabletop, with RPGs, there really is, like, there's one, and then there's everybody else. Um, and so there's a, I think there's a tendency to want to take a side there, but there's not as much hostility towards D&D from people like, you know, Jay doesn't hate D&D, just doesn't play it. You know, Kira, uh, has done some really crazy stuff. I love something is wrong here, um, the stuff they, that Kira did. Yeah, but um, then they, they wrote on Ravenloft, right? They wrote on Ravenloft, yeah. That's so exciting. I love that. And that was so cool, and it was so cool talking to, to Kira about um, bringing that sensibility into a more traditional space because there's a philosophy that is different that really changes how you approach even something that's more traditional, like D&D or like Pathfinder or something. Yeah, yeah, and it's, that's great, and that should, that should filter in there. I mean, and like how... Uh, Marvel Marvel movies. I mean, which again aren't for everyone, but they they kind of they scout people from the indie worlds. So you see, so you get um, uh, oh my god, I don't know how to pronounce his name now. Uh, Taiki Watiti is it? Taika Watiti. Taika Watiti. Thank you. So I've only ever seen it written down. I've never actually said it. Um, so you get him from doing stuff like what we do in the shadows, and then three to Thor. Uh, and it works, and it's. I think there's a there's a similar three path there. Um, yeah, no, I like. I I don't hate D and D either. I, I've got a, a I've got a big shelf of it there. Um, I'll be honest. I'm not the biggest fan of Fifth Ed. I'm I'm a f- like all proper indie designers. I love Fourth Ed, um, which is just this weird truism that uh, indie designers really love Fourth Ed. I am uh, learning that very. I am learning that quite quite distinctly. It's interesting because I hated Fourth Edition. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did I at the time, uh, and then I went back to it uh, years later. I was like, "Oh no, okay." So I hated it at the time because it wasn't what I was expecting. It, it wasn't. It wasn't just three point five again, um, which basically is what five is. I think if I'd, if fourth ed had been five, I would have been very happy with that at the time. And uh, but fourth ed is it's like it's much more intentionally designed. So it's it's. It's kind of get scratching at that same itch that I want to do, where I want to make big glossy books, but just with good rules. Um, and Fourth Ed realizes what D and D does, which is a strategic combat game with some like loose uh, role playing stuff attached to it, and it does that like really well. It just kind of like nails down, okay, this is what we're going to do, and we're going to do that well, and we're not going to try and do everything. And so that's, I think that's why that's why I love it anyway, and I think that's why indie. I think that's why it does well in the indie spaces because it's the most. It's the one where they've realised what D and D is, in a way that the other games don't. Which sounds weird because of course it's all D and D, but um, but what everyone's idea of D and D is, and then yeah, but people didn't like it because it it didn't do what they think their idea of it is. I think and it yeah so it's a, it's a confusing beast, but I I do have a lot of uh, a lot of time for it. So I want to talk about get back to to meet punks a little bit um because again i i can always chat about all kinds of stuff for forever <laughs> yeah me too yeah, I, I should probably talk about the the thing i'm trying to <laughs> maybe i'll do a fourth ed round table sometime with a bunch of any designers yes. can, they can all just explain to me why they love it yes please um but your other two big i say big but you know you've done a couple pbta scenarios and you have mm-hmm. quietus and night rain this one has kind of a different vibe from those other two because they had a bit more of like a, a darker 
you know, sort of gothic sort of feel to them, whereas this one is very much the opposite. It's a lot, it's loud, it's colorful, it's, it's crazy, um, and I was, you know, and, and I don't know if that was sort of an adjustment or just something, that, I mean, I know you like, you're into that kind of thing anyway, so it's not that weird, but. Uh, yeah, so I think, I mean, that's, that's part of the reason that I didn't write it, um, when, when I wanted to license it, um, is there are other people that will do it better. Um, uh, Quietus is, is, was a tribute to, uh, the horror films that I love and Night Rain was my Dishonored game, basically just, you know, it's Dishonored with the, with the serial numbers scratched off. Um, uh, so they're both sort of things that I love that I wanted to do justice to, um, and, and could because it's within my wheelhouse. Um, but even though I I like um, uh, as you say, sort of like more uh, more traditionally, I say fun. Meat punks gets dark at type points, but it is also sort of like gleefully absurd. Um, so I like my my tastes are broader, I think, than the stuff that I write myself um, would have. Um, so that's yeah, why I, I wanted Heather. Uh, to to co-write it because she's um, the the originator of the stuff, so it makes makes sense because you know only she knows what's in um, Meat World, um, and I just immediately went to Aura or Rebel, who's the the other co-writer on it, a because I love its uh, game design, uh, and also because it has this uh, this bizarre and goofy and kind of sexy sense of humour that really suits it. Um, yeah, I mean, the other reason um, that I couldn't design this one is because it's at least it's at least subtextually and often textually about being trans, and I'm not. Um, so you, you, need a, you need a trans writer on that. Um, but aside from that, Aura pretty much is meat punks. Like, it, it, there's, there's no one else that I would, that I would want to to write that you know as indie of a game as the original is it's still very cool to have a own original writer from a property writing for the for a license yeah. adaptation yeah, yeah, no, i guess a very was, cool thing i was really excited uh when when they agreed to do it um yeah that was that was good um i think there's there's an element of protection from their point of view as well of course that they don't want anyone else to to mess it up because it's their baby um but i i'm very happy to have them on board because they were uh, as evidenced by a the game itself, the original game, uh, and be their amazing Twitter feed. Um, Heather is uh, a very funny and um, very imaginative writer, and that's that's going to come through in the, in this game as well. You started working with with them about a year ago on, on the game. When did you settle on go? Because you're obviously you know you've worked with PBTA before. Um, Along along with Monster of the Week, Dungeon World, you've done used those. You've used um, uh, Blades in the Dark. Mm-hmm. Um, so how, you, you so you kind of did you were you intending to do PBTA from the start or? Yeah, I was. Yeah, um, a because I love those I love those games. Um, it's it's my favorite system. I think it has that that nice mixture of everything that I want in there. With um, PBTA is always how I played anyway. Um, and just to have it codified made a lot of sense. So I sort of immediately clicked with it when I started playing PPTA games. Um, 
but also from a, uh, a perspective of um, risk risk management, basically. Uh, I know PPT is good, and I know PPT works, um, and I know it's it would suit this sort of game. Um, so I, I, yeah, I was I was always very keen to do it in that because it's it's a it's a safe pair of hands as long as the designer knows what they're doing. It's it's easy to get wrong, um, and personally, I've never been able to design a, a, a successful PPTA game. I've designed a couple and they've been terrible. Um, so that's why you don't know about them. Um, the original version of Quietus was PPTA actually, and it was very bad. Um, but uh, yeah, so I knew it would work. Um, I knew it would be safe. I knew it had an inbuilt audience uh, and I knew that Aura would do it well as well. It's a, it's a fascinating system um, and it's, it's extremely flexible and it's it's worked really well with the the kind of feel that this game has. You know, it you can't really call it post-apocalyptic, but it it kind of is, and it draws a lot on those sensibilities. Yeah, and the the kind of the feel of PBTA is kind of punk in itself as well. Um, and, and some of that is uh, is like the the writing style that came in Apocalypse World and has been passed down since. Hang on a sec, sorry. Sorry. Uh, yeah. So, where was I? Uh, yeah. So, the writing style itself is is kind of uh, punk and kind of like playfully aggressive in Apocalypse World, and I think some of that has like, passed down, uh, and that's certainly passed down um, to us. We we've not intentionally just kind of like doing Apocalypse World again because why would you do that? There's, that's already, that's already there. Um, but that that kind of not just being a rule book, being something that's fun to read. Uh, being something where the the tone of the text suits the um, suits the game itself, um, and that's in stuff like the prose, but also in like the move names. So our combination uh, fight and information discovery move is called fuck around and fight out. Um, uh, so it's it's just we want you to not only kind of look through and go at the pretty illustrations, but also which are. Don't get me wrong, extremely pretty. Um, but also, you know, we kind of want to raise a smile because role-playing games can be very, very boring to read um, because they're essentially instruction manuals. Um, so the the kind of the balance between writing an entertaining text and writing something that's usable um, is always something that we were we were keen to do as well. I definitely loved that. You know, it, it <laughs> fuck around, find out, figure shit out, have it out. Yeah, a lot of them ended up without at the end of it. I don't know why. I think it just it sounds it, it works. You know, it kind of works. Does. Yeah. And yeah, it has. <laughs> you know, if you have if you have a chance, you know, if you want to go check out the the quick start's very extensive. Um, sometimes with with RPG Kickstarter, the quick start isn't quite as extensive. But like for instance, moves you have things like mischief, act like a dipshit, coax the dragon. It it's stuff that is very of the tone. Um, but also kind of fun if you play a lot of RPGs. There's kind of a, a sensibility there of, like you said, you know, the absurdity. You know, there's some elements of parody in there. It's it's a very fun tone. Thank you. That's that's what we were going for. So I'm glad it's I'm glad it's worked, and we didn't just seem needlessly aggressive. Um, 
when we when we funded, I sent out a uh, Kickstarter update that uh, was along the lines of uh, we're 100% funded and this is all your fault. Whatever happens from this point onwards, I want you to know that. Um, and a couple of people defunded after that. I was like, oh shit, have I misjudged this? But I think mostly it went over right. One of the things you have to deal with in our, with any license, with an RPG when it's licensed, and you see this with every property that gets licensed, whether it's, it's Lord of the Rings or Game of Thrones... Uh, or, or Altered Carbon, or in this case, Extreme E-Punks, Extreme E-Punks Forever, there's an expansion that you have to do, because you have to fit in so much. And it's it, it looks like that, obviously, with the cook start, it's not quite as much as there will be, but you, you know, Aura and, and Heather really had to do a lot of world-building on top of what already existed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um... Yeah, and a lot of that comes across quite implicitly as well, which is good. Um, because then you kind of you learn without feeling like you're in school. Um, but like the uh the the quick start scenario at the back of the book uh has a lot of world building stuff in it that's just there because it's it's not saying like this is world building, it's just there are people there are excuse me, uh, ghosts that steal people's faces. And there is this stuff called burrowcorn that sucks into the ground when when there's a storm on coming and stuff like that. And all of these little details, like the, the bar that's made of meat and that you um, squeeze the weird tentacles of this thing to get the drinks out of, um, which thinking of it now is probably inspired by Last Jedi, isn't it? Um, that that was, must have been my head when I did that bit. Um, but yeah, just putting in... Uh, like my some of my favorite fantasy novels, they don't do sort of like big realms of history. It'll just they'll just drop stuff in. Um, and even in something that's quite a mainstream fantasy novel, with uh, like um, what's what I'm looking for, uh, the Golden Compass, when the first sentence is about uh the the character and their demon, you're like, well, hang on, back up, what's a demon? But it doesn't. It tells you. But just it's it's not going to say this is what a demon is. It's just going to be like okay, here's a demon. It's currently a moth. Catch up. We'll um you'll you'll catch up eventually, and that's kind of what we've gone for there as well. Um, but there there is going to be the um the the more kind of like guidebooky stuff uh, that you would get in like a D and D setting as well. We're going to have like some some big sections on Meat World. Um, both the the areas and some of the like the the weird monsters and cryptids and old gods and stuff like that that live there. The all the murder horses and double crows are going to have our little our own little monstrous manual there um, <laughs> for for people to play with. Now I'm wondering when it comes to the the building of the game. There's two halves of it. It's like there's sort of two halves of of the original game. Um, you know the big. Immediate draw that you see with it is, of course, the actual you know the meat suits fighting each other and the you know the punching of the of the Nazis. But there's a you know the original had that visual novel element, and there's a lot of a lot of social or you know personal uh, interactions that go along with it too. And I was wondering how you how you kind of balance that out or how that how that's gone. Yeah, so it's um, I mean one of the cliches of role playing is that it's a like a found family story. Um, but not a lot of games actually do much to support that. But um, Meat Punks is that found family story. It's, it's people uh, who have to go on the run together and who don't necessarily uh, immediately uh, gel and then do through hardship. Um, but 
the yeah the as you say the the video game itself is uh split so it's a, there's a very definite split between the visual novel sections and where it kind of goes over uh like all of the kind of the drama and romance that you expect from a a visual novel but with meat punksy weirdness and then the the top down brawler sections um and i wanted to reflect that in the game as well so one of the things that we've done is the the fight sections are that's a little bit crunchier than your than your average pbta uh, combat section um but there's a definite one of the things is there's like a definite place for them it's almost like you can feel like that jrpg thing where the screen angle changes basically kind of the, the rules change at a certain point um in in extreme meat punks um so we've got that and we've got some some really fun stuff in the combat section uh some like some added strategy stuff um but when we were doing like the the other stuff around around the edges of it um one of the things i didn't want to do is there's kind of like a in PPTA, there's kind of like a core set of accepted moves which go back to Apocalypse World, and you can quite happily do games with that. But I didn't want to just do like the the standard set of moves. I wanted something that very specifically reflected like here's a brawling section, here is the visual nozzle section, and so we we tied in the all of the kind of like the dra- dramatic elements of it uh, and any of the like the romance elements with it and we, we tied those in and kind of knitted those together into the healings uh process of it so you end up with a uh kind of like a uh a, a constant kind of engine uh driving the story forward of um you've got the, the fights and the fights will find you but also like the the mystery will lead you to fights because it's, it's got an elements of a mystery game to it as well um but then in order to recover, to, to deal with the, the shit, then you have to do the the visual novel sections um, as a role-playing game as well. So you um, like the the more you engage with the social side of things, the easier the the fighting side of things will be. Um, so it's it a ref- kind of reflects that split in the, I just noticed that I say that a lot. So I like I'll go back and say, so A this and B that. I've said it like five <laughs> times in this one interview. Um and I'm not sure I usually start off strong as well with like A and then just ignore B and C altogether and just go off on a on a tangent. Um yeah, so that both we get that we get something that is a reflection of the, like an authentic reflection of the video game itself. Um, but also that guides you to what the good play is going to be. Um, because that's ultimately what the majority of role playing games are, especially in the indie space is guiding, like it says in apocalypse, sort of guiding the conversation and, uh, guiding the conversation in our, in our instance to a specific sort of story, uh, which is that, that flip between, uh, horrendous violence and emotional feedback, basically. And that's kind of that's definitely. I think that that emotion is something that I really see mentioned a lot in 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 on the Kickstarter and in the in the Quick Start. Uh, you know, the emotional beats of the game um, are clearly as important as the the fighty parts, as as you just said. Yeah, I mean, because that's that's the heart of of the video game and that's what we want to be the heart of this is mech brawling is is a lot of fun but if you don't care about the people in the mech brawls it's just it's a it's you know it's a quick board game or whatever and you know i like i like a board game but you're not going to be able to cover 
that unless you're doing D4E, um, <laughs> you're not going to be able to cover that same like strategic crunch uh, as you would with an actual board game. So when you've got quite an actiony game like this, I think you need that uh, that emotional heft to get you back, so that you care, so that you care why you're fighting, um, and so that you care about the fallout um, because violence is sometimes necessary um if you have the chance to punch a nazi you probably should uh but at the same time violence is upsetting and uh and unpleasant and that sounds very trite but i I don't just mean like having violence inflicted upon you is upsetting i mean like inflicting violence is it's really horrible it's unpleasant like it's it's not something that people should enjoy outside of the um the confines of like escapist games basically um but we wanted to acknowledge the fact that, yeah, violence may be necessary, but it doesn't mean that you have to enjoy it, and it doesn't mean that you're meant to to be able to just deal with that by yourself. You're not, you know, John Wick going into a, a, a cool, bisexually uh, lit nightclub and, and shooting everyone up. You are your people who have been put in a bad situation, uh, and you're having to cope with it, and you'd probably rather not be. I mean, not everyone necessarily. Some of the people in, in the game are are going to be confrontational. Like, there's going to be some confrontational character classes. But most people are just, like, regular people that would much rather not have these Nazis up in their face. But the Nazis are up in their face, and they've got to do something about it. But the emotional fallout from that is going to be there. And I want to also ask, um, thinking of those people, thinking of the those situations, and as you mentioned, the art in this game is you know fa- fantastic thank you and you've got quite a quite a team uh quite a sort of all-star team of of artists working on it so i'm wondering what the and it's much more detailed you know the original game as most indie games are you know the the characters themselves are pretty well detailed and there's some really nice art but it's uh-huh. pretty minimalist pretty you know because it's all one person you know there's very little not a whole lot uh, so, so like in addition to expanding the, the... so I was just going to say like a lot of the backgrounds in the, the video game are like uh, AC art just, I'm not sure if that's how you pronounce it but yeah they're like text text based art yeah so you had to really expand that as well the visual the, you know the vis dev of, of the game you know what's as important as the game development and I'm wondering you know working what, what you were going for or what you know uh what Heather and, and Aura and, you know, working with the artist, you know, what were we really going for look-wise and how that kind of manifested? Uh, yeah, so that, that side of things was, and this is going to sound like me taking credit here, which it's not because obviously all of it is actually the artist, but I mean, this is the, the art direction is like where a lot of my work has been. Um, and like the kind of the look and the feel of it. Yeah, we, we wanted something super shiny, basically. I, I wanted, um, I've said this before, but I wanted like a, a big shiny book um, that would kind of trick some straight white gamer boys into playing a game which is subtextually about being trans. Um, but also, you know, they'll they'll enjoy it while they're there. Um, but I wanted to make it look as vibrant as the as the setting is, which is why we needed that that sort of larger that larger budget. Um, and we, yeah, as we said, we got some very exciting people in. Um, so we got, uh, Pauline Naganachow did the front cover who's worked with like Marvel and she's done some stuff for Wicked and Divine and, and things like that. So we were very lucky to get her. Um, and the rest of our team is fantastic as well. Um, 
uh, Val Halverson did most of the um, like the character portraits and stuff like that, um, and he's done he's done a fantastic job on on like rendering those characters to life um, from my like one or two sentence descriptions. Um, but we wanted it uh, whilst it's whilst it's um, sort of like very glossy. I wanted it to remain true to the kind of like the the spirit of the game as well so i wanted to make sure that it was as diverse as the game is and that we didn't just have like a bunch of uh you know somber looking white dudes with with like bionic meat arms we wanted to to make to make sure that people were represented um and not in just like a not in a, a trite like kind of dusting kind of way I, I wanted that to be that's at the core of the game effectively it's it's a game uh against where you're constantly against the status quo um so that was quite important when we were deciding the on the like the art direction as well and so it's i say one or two lines it was sometimes uh i'll just say to on another game i'll be like yeah just just draw something cool here um, and it, and, it, it, and it, it doesn't really matter. Like I've worked with um, Kashamika a lot. She worked on, not she. Sorry, can you edit that? Uh, they worked on um, uh, Quietus and uh, and on Night Rain and on Video Store. And because I've worked with them a lot, I can just say, go draw something cool, uh, and they'll they'll kind of know my aesthetics and stuff. Um, but with this, there was a, a very specific very specific set of instructions for how it should look and all of the artists that we've had on there um have have really knocked it out of the park i mean we've had um someone has cosplayed as one of the the illustrations in there already which is which made my day and uh, people like making little memes out of some of the characters as well which which i love um because it shows that we've you know kind of connected with people um in the right way this is doing what we wanted it to do basically yeah, and I love these, you know, these the iconic, I guess they sort of be, they're sort of iconic characters, and the ones that are the quick start. Um, yeah, that's what I called them. Uh, I just kind of, like, uh, gone for, that's what they're referred to in, like, other games, in, like, D&D and stuff, you have the iconic characters, and I was like, nah, fuck, I'm just going to call up that language, and, uh, and, and talk about it as if these are much more famous characters than they actually are, uh, because that's fun. Yeah, and when they have much more... I mean, I, you know, they're much more diverse than the iconics in other games. Um, you know, I like that um, when describing them, and it, it's, it's little touches um, that I love in you know queer RPGs. The the queering of the RPG space is like my favorite phenomenon happening right now, and um, it's not just in the obvious things, but, you know, it's it's like with these iconic characters, um, the pronouns and gender are up to the up to the player as much as anything else. You know, they're blank in the in the book and the pronouns are are you know, that are used in the text are non binary. Um, and just little things, it's that sort of awareness of 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 of, of how things can be and how things are. Uh, that's really fascinating to me. And that's something that came. F- that's something that came from um, from Aura, um, and that's uh, something that I almost certainly would have screwed up if it was me writing this, which is why I did not. Um, so yeah, that's 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 uh, her. Uh, well, one of her many contributions to the to the text is that the 
uh, contributions to text, even though it isn't selling it well because she wrote half the book. Um, but, <laughs> um, but like that, that specifically it was always like very strong there. It's like, we're, we're not going to tell you who these characters are. Um, and some of the, when I've been like playtesting it, some of the answers that have come back as to what, you know, their pronouns are or what their, um, what their gender is has surprised me as well. Um, so even someone like Crow, where the illustration is uh, quite femme presenting, um, the person playing it had uh, any pronouns and gender, no thank you. Um, uh, and that works perfectly. And that's because it, it separates the, the illustrations, uh, from, and the perception of the illustrations, uh, from the truth of the characters, which is, you know, how gender and presentation works in real life too. Yeah, and it really is something that when you, it's something that comes out of having such a, I don't like using, it's difficult using the word diverse because it sounds so trite nowadays because, you know, like I work at a public library and they use diversity for every possible nonsense thing. <laughs> um, but you have a very, very, you know, que- gender queer, you know, heavily gender queer, um, and you know non-binary and you know different identities um working on this game and that's the kind of thing that really um yeah informs the look and feel of a game yeah 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 i mean that it's it's just a matter of who who the white people are to to work on the game yeah absolutely and i I love I'm, i'm really one of my favorite things and that is this sort of genre um of neon queer RPGs, um, you know, like like this one, or like uh, Visigoths and Malgoths, or or even you know even Thirsty Sword Lesbians has that kind of you know beautifully it aggressive queerness, not in like a I mean sometimes in a violent way, but in like a fun way, <laughs> and you know, in in a it's a really uh, very proud and very lurid and and you know it's 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 almost that's it's almost like a kind of a Continually, almost political statement of queerness within these games. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, um, you mentioned Thirsty Sword Lesbians, um, and the, one of their things was uh, powered by queer love. And I, I kind of think as uh, does that the phrase uh, "not gay as in happy, but queer as in fuck you." And I kind of think as the the meat punks is the queer as in fuck you uh, part of the part of that uh, kind of like dyad there. Um, but yeah, every, everyone on the game um, kind of looks like someone that could be in the game, basically, um, and that's that's just naturally the the people that you would want that you would want working on it. Because if if you had, you know, there's plenty of um, teams RPG teams where it's all you know cis cishet white dudes, um, and a team of cishet white dudes could have made this and it would have been really, really bad and it wouldn't it wouldn't it wouldn't have been true. Um so there's none making this at all. Um there's uh there's yeah, I, I don't know like everyone's sexuality because I if they haven't spoken about it, um because I'm not I'm not gonna ask them. It's not like a it's not like a qualifying factor. Um but I don't I don't think that yeah, there's no there's not a single cishet white dude on this, and I think that's going to be to to its benefit. Yeah, it's it's a really it's a really cool thing, and that is sort of the last thing I wanted to sort of touch on. You know, I mentioned that statement um, 
you know, and it's also that, that queerness, it's that aggressive queerness, you know, being Pride Month as it is, there's definitely a lot of this sort of queer politics in in this game as well. Not necessarily in you're not really turning to the camera and saying exactly what you're, what you mean, but I mean just the focus as in the original game, um, that sort of punching Nazis, punching, bashing, bashing the fash, that kind of thing, really is also inundating inundating the game quite a bit. Yeah, it's it's very much at the kind of the the you know the pride was a riot kind of end of things. It's 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 not here for you know corporately sponsored trucks and cops at pride it is it's the other end of that it's you know it's throw, throwing bricks is is this game that's that's the idea of this game it's saying you know no no we don't say no kink at pride we're saying no kink at pride you know more kink at pride you know it's it's that kind of feeling that um is really really good and really really important to see in yeah in and games like this Thank you, and that's that's something that's that's something that's come from the video games, um, but that's why the video games appeal to me for that for that reason. That's the kind of the the game that I wanted to put out there is um, is you know yes the giant meat monsters are cool, um, but like I wanted to make a game that was kind of this this kind of like truthfully this kind of truthful about you know the world mostly not wanting queer people there and wanting them to, to go away and be, you know, a, a kind of at best be quiet. Uh, and this game is, is not that this game is like, no, no, but you know, the, the kind of like, we will be the loudest possible versions of ourselves. Especially in, in an, in an, in an RPG space, a tabletop space, which has, thank God, Diverse. I mean, it's it's always been diverse. I, I reiterate the fact that that gets taught to me. Everybody, you know, I talk to them. They're like, "Oh no, we were here. You just don't hear about us," <laughs> because the opportunities weren't there, um, and the prominence isn't there, and it's still very much seen as and the loudest voices in in tabletop are, as you said, you know, cis hat white guys, and so it's kind of double, double, double powerful in in the space that it's occupying indie or otherwise within RPGs. Uh, yeah. 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 It's, it's definitely still quite a conservative space overall. Um, I mean like the, the biggest, not just like politically, although there's definitely that, um, as you'll see, not you'll see, but as like people will see, uh, on something like when, when Orc Day happened, that was, that was fun. Yeah. Um, there's, there's a, there's a, a big, capital C conservative streak to uh, to the role-playing game hobby, which is still there. Um, but also small C, like, uh, we, we talked several times about D&D, but, like, I mean, how many other industries are still dominated by a product that came out, like, 40 years ago? Uh, like, it, it, it's like if video games, like... It's it's like if all these other video games were still there, but everyone still played Space Invaders as exclusively. It's just it's such a, um, and I think one reflects the other, of course. Um, so the fact that we you got your capital C conservatives uh, is gonna um, is gonna reflect on the small C conservatives, which is why the indie space is um, like more representational than 
is that a word even? I'm just trying to avoid saying diverse now because I know I've said that like a billion times, and I, I don't want to become your library. No, it's uh, not a bad. It's not a bad word. It's just you know, it's yeah. it, it, it 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 can be imprecise. I think representational is is a decent way to think about it because of the fact that the people, you know, that not in theory it's that same trickle trickle up trickle down or whatever where the people who are playing it are actually getting to make it for once rather than just having to kind of invent make it queer make it you know not white on their own after the fact they're getting to actually make it from the jump yeah 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 um and i think the the willingness to experiment with game mechanics and stuff uh isn't something that would appeal to like capital C conservatives, then they're just gonna because that comes that comes with the small C as well. I think that's why. I mean, I know we talked about like Twitter isn't the world, and like RPG Twitter is not most RPG fans. But like the the OSR, I think has the worst problem with this kind of thing. Although it's, it is getting better um, because it's by nature kind of like backwards looking, um, and so. Whilst it can produce some really wonderful stuff and there's some good people in there, I think that's why you get some awful people in there as well because it comes it comes with those kind of like backward looking attitudes to to social stuff as well as to game design. And it creates and it, and it leads to that backlash that can be frustrating if you're you know if you like multiple things, it can be frustrating because of the the reaction. But it's also understandable because of how I mean it, it's why. You know, it's really hard if it's really hard to really get into OSR, um, because um, especially after the whole Zach Zach S stuff, um, because it's got such a reputation, and it's got such of a fan base that's so far on one side of it that you know it's hard to be like, oh yeah, I like that because you're like, oh, so you're with these guys, you know, and so and and D and D is kind of like that where you have a contingent of very loud fans who aren't who you want to be associated with. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> no, and um, like just mechanically, I'm not into OSR, but I, as a related thing, I I love black metal, uh, and black metal has very similar problems. Um, like th- there's some really wonderful stuff out there, but oh, there's a there's a lot of Nazis, um, and so you have to tread very carefully and speak out against them and try and convince everyone that uh, no, no, I don't, I don't listen to Burzum. I'm I'm listening to you know Feminazgul, and I'm I'm listening to to Underdark, who um, who actually ended up on the the trailer for the video. Um, because I love their song, and I said, "Like, can I, can I use this?" And they were like, "Can, can we have a game?" And I was like, "Yes, we have. We have reached the Concord. That we are. We are happy with that." Because they really, I mean, it's like that's why the game having that mechanic of punching Nazis is so satisfying because they're freaking everywhere. Like they ruin everything. They they you know they ruin OSR. They ruin black metal. They ruin they ruin heathenism. You know they <laughs> they try to ruin Doc Martens. You know, <laughs> I know. Yeah, polo shirts. I was yeah. like, how, how, how do you ruin polo shirts? They're, they're just like that's the cheddar cheese of clothing, and somehow you've made it associated with Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> can't even shave your heads in some parts of the world because oh, you yeah. know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I had to get rid of a haircut because I looked like Richard Spencer. I was like, no, this isn't. That's, like, can I not just have a side shave? Looks good. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, well, and yeah. So again, that's why it's so satisfying. Why it's so satisfying having games like this that are that are thriving um you know and you've hit 
you've hit one stretch goal already. Um, I believe. Oh wait, no, that's on British pounds, so not quite yet. Um, uh, no, but we, we're, <laughs> um, we're we're heading on the right way there, and we funded, which is the important thing. Yeah, um, no, I just get confused because there's no there's there were no symbols on the stretch goals sheet, and so uh, I was looking at. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's literally because it was it was the last thing that I uh, added, and the font that I was using didn't have a pound sign in it, and 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 it, it was like two o'clock in the morning before we were launching. I'm like, nah, fuck it, no symbols. Dreamy punks forever on Kickstarter's uh, five hundred backers, almost five hundred backers. Um, a lot of really fun ways to you know access the game. You can buy it digitally. You can buy the book. You can get your face on the book if you want to. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and one of the things I want to talk about as well is there's um, like solidarity level pledges as well, where you can buy the book, but also fund community copies, which will then be given away uh, for free to people that can't afford to, to buy the game themselves. You've talked about that. I was wondering, uh, you know, is that a is that a new is that a new thing for you? I forget if you did that with Quietus. I didn't know. Um, it, it didn't occur to me, but I saw it on um, on. Uh, Dusty Sword lesbians, they were doing it, and I was like, "Yeah, no, it's a, a great idea." Because, especially because the the target audience for this game in particular is more likely to to be in financial hardship, um, so uh, we wanted to we wanted to try and, and like in the smallest way possible because it is just it's free PDFs, but it's we wanted to try and give something back if we could and uh, not have. I think it was April that said this not have money as a barrier to art. Um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to end up on the Trove as well. So you can just pirate it from the Trove, uh, even if the community copies go. The, the free version of the Cookstar is on the Trove. It's like, why are you pirating something free? That doesn't even make sense. Um, but yeah, so I that is to say there will be community copies. And obviously, I would love it if you got it from there. Um but once it's out, I, I do not mind if you steal it because I would rather that the, the game is played, uh, and I, I don't want you to to be held back. Yeah, you heard it here first, guys. Stealing is cool. Yeah, <laughs> I, I give you permission to steal <laughs> steal my PDFs. Don't steal any hard copies uh, from shops. Yeah, probably, because the shop owners have paid for those. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if you come across a PDF download and you just want to download it, if you can afford it, buy it. And if you can't, steal it. Well, there I'm, we go. <laughs> I'm fine with that. It's it's my business. I <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's a great it's a great under under underscore for the for the whole game really. Um, so is there anything else you want to want to plug that you're working on that you or is you know is this the main your main focus right now? Oh yeah, I am 100 percent on this and exhausted, so uh, no, not working. Um, but no, so if people do want to back it and do want to get the the beautiful hard copy, that is at uh, meatpunksrpg.com, uh, which is easier than remembering the the full Kickstarter URL. Uh, so yeah, meatpunksrpg.com and uh, and head on over. And yeah, there's I think there's still some of the so there's there's a couple of like the extra special options left. There's games that I run uh, for you online. Uh, there is getting a unique version of the game with your meat sona uh, on the front cover, uh, drawn by drawn by Val Halverson. Um, there's a meat egg, which I just love as a 
weirdly gross little phrase, uh, which is be an Easter egg in the book somewhere. Basically, have your name or like name of your OC in the book somewhere as as a, as a little Easter egg. Um, and there's uh, yeah, there's like retail levels, and there's 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 everything you could possibly want. <laughs> yeah, it's it's fabulous, and there's a. Uh... You know, and again, if you want to check it out before you before you back it, you know, there's a, for the free, free Kickstarter is on that Kickstarter page. It's on the website. It's on Drive Through RPG. Um, it's in a lot of places, so you really have no excuse to at least give it a sh- give it give it a look. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's on the trove, definitely. <laughs> it's on the trove, yeah. So you know, you've, you're gonna find it somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> All right, and if we want to follow you specifically, uh, mm-hmm. where can we find you online? Uh, so you will mostly find me at Twitter uh, under uh, sinister underscore beard um, on Twitter, uh, where I will be getting myself into trouble and uh, and shit posting and for the entirety of this month talking endlessly about um, extreme meat punks forever. And I'm sure pissing off people who followed me from back before I did role playing games. But th- th- thanks for still hanging on. I guess. Yeah. To, yeah. <laughs> Also posting some music. I think you've started making some music again. Yes. Or, or started yeah, yeah. for the first time. I'm not sure. Um, that, that, that's very, that's very, uh, yes. that's very fun to watch as well. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I have a Dungeon Synth project uh, as Plague of Insomnia, um, which you can find on Bandcamp. Um, and there's going to be some black metal at some point as well. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It, it, there's, there's no nerdy thing that I can't turn my... Can't, can't turn myself to as long as it is extremely niche and I can make no money out of it I will give it a go very um, cool alright well I will make sure to have links to all that uh, in the in the notes below this episode thanks again for, for thanks for coming on and, and chatting about extreme meat punks and you know everything and all the fun queer stuff that went into it thanks again for listening to All Bart No Dice the Fundamentals Tabletop Talk Show as always, we are fueled by Found Familiar Coffee Company. Go to Found Familiar, use the code FANDOM to get 15% off your entire order. And if you want, give us a little shout-out on iTunes or Podchase or wherever you're listening. Just a five-star review. Really helps a lot. Thank you so much, and happy rolling. <laughs>